You're listening to the Foxy Hope Podcast. My name is Lisa Bloomquist-Palmer, and I've got Michelle here with us today. Thanks so much for joining me, Michelle. Yeah, no problem. So um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what your background is, uh, before we get going? Yeah, um, so I am 24. I was 23 when I got floxed um, last July, so it's July 2016. Um and I did work in the film industry. I worked for the Food Network mostly, um, but I did a lot of freelance work out in Los Angeles. And now I still live with my parents and I'm um, kind of bouncing around and looking for a new kind of career path. Got it. So give oh, I'm Fox also a big skier. That's important. I'm sorry, what? I'm a big skier, big hiker. Great. Great. Yeah. So getting Fox kind of derailed you a little bit. We'll talk about that more kind of as we as we go through your story. But uh, let's just jump right into talking about your fluoroquinolone toxicity story. What what happened? Um, I guess starting with the infection. Um, Yeah. um, So I had a really minor UTI. It was the second UTI I ever had in my life. And I could feel it coming, and the last time I had it, you know, only antibiotics worked. I couldn't just kind of wait it out. So I went to an urgent care, and they just, they gave me Cipro, and just right out of the urgent care. So we didn't go through a pharmacist. I didn't get a prescription. I didn't get anything, and he just kind of sent me on my way. I didn't do a culture or anything like that. And I took it for three days, so I had to take a pill a day, and I don't remember what the milligrams were. But um, after three days, my UTI didn't go away. Nothing changed. So I called the doctor, and we switched to a different antibiotic, and then it went away. And then a month later, my my arm went numb. I think it was my right arm. And it was one day after work. I was looking at my emails, and I noticed it. And I just kind of like ignored it because it was so weird. And I figured maybe I had leaned on my arm or something. Um, and so then the next day I was, it was still numb, which was weird. And I kind of kept it in the back of my mind, but I didn't think about it too much because I didn't want to freak out about it. And I figured maybe if it went away, you know, whatever. Um, and by the end of that day, because I worked really long shifts, like 12-hour days, and I was just constantly moving, constantly doing stuff. So my arm being numb was very noticeable. And towards the end of the day, I was really, really tired. So I went to bed super early. And then the day after, it was so hard for me to work. And I normally wake up really early, go to bed really late because of the nature of my job. So I was used to being really tired, but not this tired. Like It was the point where... I could walk around for like a few minutes and then I had to sit down and it was, um, it was weird. It wasn't like normal fatigue. Um, and I had been going to the doctor actually, because I had this other weird thing. It was like a tingling in my head that still hasn't actually gone away. So I really don't know what that is still, but, um, I had been going to the doctor anyway for that. And I had an appointment with a neurologist for October. So, that's what it's like to to um, deal with medicine in LA. I was I made an appointment in July for October, and that was the earliest I could find for the specific neurologist that I wanted. So anyway, um, so I went to the ER and they couldn't figure out what it was. And they this one doctor just straight up told me she thinks it's MS, and I was I knew what MS was at this point. My 
my body had gone completely numb. So it was kind of a gradual process. It was like right arm, then left arm, then my legs, then my, then it was my face. And I remember my mouth being really numb and that was kind of scary and it reminded me of being at the dentist and having like Novocaine. Um, and then it was just, it was just everything. My whole body was numb, but I could still feel pressure and temperature, but I just couldn't, it was weird. It was like a sensory thing. And, um, yeah, she told me I had MS. So I started crying because I mean, MS is a terrible diagnosis, especially for a 24 year old, well, 23 year old at the time. But like to give you that diagnosis so flippantly, like the way that you describe it on your blog, um, it, it just is kind of appalling because that is a really terrifying diagnosis. Like, can she sit you down a little bit or break it yeah. gently? Like, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm so sorry that you went through that. I mean, I, I suppose like it, it kind of is what it is. Like there's no way, there's no way to sugarcoat it, but you know, no. sugarcoating it might help it go, go down a little bit. And I'm glad it wasn't MS, but you went through quite a journey to figure out that you were floxed. So kind of continue on who, yeah. who, yeah. whose symptoms start a month after they've taken the drug, just probably never put together the pieces. So how did you put together the pieces and figure out what happened? So I didn't actually, I ended up getting an earlier appointment with a different neurologist and he was like, all right, I'm going to do all these tests. I'm, I'm going to do, we're going to do MRIs and we're going to do like a full blood test. And we thought that it was like MS or a tumor or something like that. And at that point I didn't really have any other symptoms. It was mostly fatigue and it was just being really tired. Um, and, and the then like the numbness was still going on, right? Or had that gone away? Yeah, sorry. Not being really tired. The numbness. Yes. <laughs> I just said the same thing. Um, yeah, the numbness and fatigue. And that was like the, Two main symptoms for a while. Um, and when we, we got those test results back, he called me. He said they were completely normal. And then he said to call me to call him in a month. And at this point, I was sleeping 18 hours a day. So I was like, um, I, I just thought he was giving up on me. And he was like, just follow up with your general practitioner. And I was like, okay, I mean, whatever. Like, like my general practitioner could like know anything, right? So I made an appointment with him and I had seen him before just so I could like kind of establish myself in Los Angeles and have my primary physician. Um, he was awesome. He's like one of the lead researchers of HIV in America, maybe the world. I don't know. He did his residency at Harvard. Like I, I've had a lot of bad doctors in the past. And now I've had even more. <laughs> have good doctors. That's like a really important thing for me. And I really liked him. And so I went to him and I, I told him my symptoms. And at this point I had a few more, I think I had, I had like, not, I didn't have tendon pains yet, but I had some other stuff, whether it was anxiety or like the nightmares. I had those crazy nightmares that people had. I had a nightmare that my friend was killing herself in front of me. It was horrifying. Like those are the kinds of nightmares I had. And, um, so he looks at me and he, he wrote it all down and he was like, have you ever taken Cipro just out of the blue? And I was like, I did. Cause I remembered that it didn't work for me. That's the only reason I remembered it. But I was like, I took it a month ago. Like, how is that even possible? And he said that he had, I mean, he had a patient before who had been floxed and he was like, look this up because 
I, he's like, I didn't even believe it when he told me, but now I believe it and you should really look it up. And I thought it was weird that he said that like now looking back that he said that he didn't believe it at first, because if you Google Cipro, if you Google a fluoroquinolone, all those side effects come up. And maybe two years ago, that wasn't the case. I don't know. It, w- it was certainly less the case two years ago. And when I got flocks like five and a half, almost six years ago, um, it wasn't the case at all. You know, you look, you look up Cipro and you get the WebMD article and, you know, that's about it. And now there are so many blogs, there's so many people telling their stories. And I'm just so grateful for everyone who has spoken out about this drug and about this reaction. So really, like any doctor nowadays who's saying like, oh, I've never heard of this. Like, come on, like watch the news every once in a while, like read an article every once in a while, like even a blog, you know, like these are people's personal testimonies. And Mm -hmm. and there's less and less of an excuse for doctors to not understand that fluoroquinolone toxicity is at least something, um, that it exists. So, um, I'm, I'm glad that he, that he had done that research or at least had like looked it up for his other patient because like, I think it is, it is really unbelievable. You know, I wouldn't have thought it before I got flossed, you know, just kind of looking back on like my perspective before this happened to me, I wouldn't have thought that you could have a severe adverse reaction to an antibiotic that could result in symptoms that looked and felt like MS. Yeah. Like who would think that? That's bizarre. Yeah, it's uh it's really crazy. Um but as I um yeah, without him though, I really don't know like I don't even know if I would be better right now. I mean, pos- it's possible. Of course, I mean, it kind of gradually fixes itself, but there was a lot that I did that I think really helped. But the thing was, I didn't really believe him. I looked at it and I was like this is really scary. And I didn't have a lot of those symptoms yet, but I, well, I found your blog for one, for one of the things that I, that I found. And, um, there were just a bunch of people who were like, yeah, it kind of progresses. And this is what's going to happen. Kind of like predicting my future. And I just, I think it was partially, I didn't want to believe it. And also because I was like, these are only two or three symptoms. I don't have all these other symptoms yet at least. And then of course, eventually I got all the symptoms. So I had the tendon damage. I had, um, I just had a bunch of stuff. What was really interesting was like all of the anxiety that I had. Cause I've had regular anxiety about like tests or moving to a new place or breaking up with someone. And then you're like, what do I do with my life? But this was just out of nowhere. And I have a bunch of friends who deal with chronic anxiety all the time. So I hit a few of them up and asked like, what do you do for anxiety? So I think what was really interesting once I finally, once the tendon damage hit, I actually ended up seeing a functional doctor because I saw maybe 13 doctors in total. Now it's kind of extreme, but, um, I needed to see different specialists to kind of cancel things out to make sure it wasn't something weird with like, like something weird neurologically, or I don't know. I even went to a chiropractor. She didn't really do anything for me, but this functional doctor was kind of awesome because I told him all the things that I was doing, like taking magnesium, doing pretty much everyone, what everyone else does. Um, and he was kind of impressed by my research, but he also was telling me that, and 
because of the tendon damage, that was kind of the one thing where he was like, I mean, you wouldn't have all these other symptoms and then also have tendon damage and have it be anything else. Like this has to be the antibiotic and he doesn't prescribe fluoroquinolones. He's totally against them because of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess people keep on asking me, like, is there a test for this? And I keep on saying no. And I guess, like, that's kind of the answer is, like, if you have tendon trouble in addition to your crazy multi-symptom chronic illness that no one can explain any of the symptoms, then you're probably floxed. If you don't have tendon trouble, I mean, like, you still could be floxed because there are a zillion other symptoms. But um, that's kind of that's kind of the smoking gun. And, um, you know, you mentioned in your blog that you got tested for Lyme toxicity, that, that you pursued, um, mold reactions, um, Mm -hmm. all, all sorts of, all sorts of other things, uh, too. And all of those tests basically came back negative or what? Um, yep. All of them came back negative. Every single thing. I got tested for lupus too. And HIV, I got tested for everything under the sun, all of the, all of the STDs you could ever think of, I got tested for those. So now I feel pretty good, though. Like, I don't have to get <laughs> tested for a while. <laughs> I mean, you know you're healthy otherwise, you know? And, and in some ways, getting all those tests coming back negative, like, it's frustrating because it's like, well, something is obviously wrong with me, but you people can't tell me what it is because all of your tests say that I'm perfectly healthy, but I'm obviously not perfectly healthy. And so it's really frustrating, or at least it was frustrating for me, and I think it's frustrating for a lot of people. And then, but on the other hand, like, hey, it's good to get confirmation that you don't have a brain tumor. Yeah. (laughs) And actually one of my tests came out like that something was wrong out of all of them. Um, and that was the urine test that I took um, through organics. I forget exactly what it was like uric acid or something. And it was, it kind of tested the health of the mitochondria. This is the last, this is a functional doctor that I saw who ran this test for me. And it was insane. Like it was off the charts pretty much. I had super high levels of mitochondria damage in every part of whatever cycle it was like I think it was the electron transport chain or something that it tested and it was all messed up but once I I started really feeling better like I started feeling like I was good we had a um I went back to him geez it was like a few months later I think it was like three months or so and I was completely it came up normal so do you happen to know the name of that test? Because people ask me all the time about, you know, tests for fluoroquinolone toxicity, like I was just mentioning. But, um, you know, I would love to refer people to this particular test if it's showing mitochondrial damage. Yeah, and it's it's cool because it shows mitochondrial damage for, like, MS and diabetes and a bunch of other stuff, too. And he actually showed me the chart and, well, of course, covering people's names and he didn't violate HIPAA or anything, but he showed me someone's chart with diabetes and it looked exactly like mine. So that was kind of crazy. Um, it's through Genova and it's called the, I believe it's like organics, something acid test, comprehensive something test. But, um, yeah, I can probably find it and just show it to you later. But, yeah, if um, you want to email that information to me, then I'll just put it up when I put up this recording. And that mm-hmm. would be, yeah. that'd be great. I think that people would really appreciate that. So everyone check out floxyhope.com and it'll be Michelle's story or podcast episode. I think this will be 22. 
and you'll find out information about that. And also any doctors that you're wanting to refer people to, if they want you to refer them, um, people to them, I think that that'd be great too, because people are always asking me for doctor refer referrals. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think people would really appreciate that. The, the yeah. good doctors are really hard to come by. Like you said, you, you went to 13 doctors and they... Yeah, really and it. besides those two that I just mentioned, the rest of them said that they would have done the same thing, like just giving me Cipro right off the bat, which you're totally not supposed to do. Um, my cousin's actually a medical assistant, and and she was so upset. She was like, why didn't they give you Macrobit instead? Why didn't they give you anything else? Why did they just go straight to Cipro? That's insane. Like, And um, now she's like super aware, and everyone in my family is super aware. And actually, what's, I think one of the coolest things that have come out of this is that I've had people – message me on Facebook or text me like people I haven't seen in a long time, people from high school, um, people I worked with a long time ago. And they were like, Hey, uh, my doctor tried to prescribe me Cipro. And I told them no, because of what happened to you. And I got a different antibiotic instead. And I think that's really important. I think that's really awesome. That's huge. That's wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, thank you for putting yourself out there like that and for spreading the word and for letting people know that this can happen. Like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, it used to be that, that people assumed that it was rare or that like they were somehow um, like defective because it happened to them. And I think like the more and more people tell their stories, the more people are willing to say like, hey, this happened to me too. And I think that that's really helpful. It, it helps, helps other people to kind of come out of the closet of like, oh yeah, I had that reaction too and I thought it was just me. And, you know, putting the pieces together for people is super, super helpful. So, so anyhow, um, but let's, let's kind of get back to your, your story. So, so you mm -hmm. were taking all these mitochondrial support supplements. Can you mention them? Um, just so people can know what, what helped you? Um, yeah, I used to have a list and I wish I still had it. I'm actually going to go back into my email right now because I know, I gave this just like a small list to someone of the things that helped me the most. I know one of them is bone broth. Bone broth was huge for my, my tendons. It just made me, it made me feel amazing. And my teeth are like way whiter, which is awesome. <laughs> and my like hair started growing more. I just feel like overall way healthier. Okay. So I found the list. So, um, I, a lot of things actually weren't really supplements that helped me. It was kind of like lifestyle changes, so I switched to the ketogenic diet. I, I followed the Walls protocol. I saw it on your website, and I was like, "I don't, why not?" So I bought the book and I read it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this woman is amazing! She's incredible! How are people not talking about this?" So I followed her protocol, and I, I did her version of of keto um, for about two months, and I noticed significant changes and another specifically I started eating organic venison liver and heart. Um, I don't know how many people are willing to do that, but that ended my fatigue. I had no fatigue whatsoever after that. Um, I, well, I ate it for three days and then after three days it was gone and I didn't have that problem anymore. So that was really cool. And I mean, I don't know if people know it's really high in coenzyme Q10, which is supposed to heal mitochondria. Can I ask you how you prepared it? Like, do you eat it raw or do you cook it or do you put it in stew or do you make it into sausage? What do you do um, with, with deer liver? Well, I was like really desperate at first. I think 
heart tastes way better than liver. And I make heart tacos now and I'll mix it with, with like venison meat so that it's not as intense and earthy. But, um, liver, I actually, sometimes I put into a pate. So I'll mix it with a few other things. There's a bunch of recipes online and I throw it into my Nutribullet. My Nutribullet was amazing because I would make bone broth smoothies every morning. Um, but yeah, I'll just, I definitely don't eat it raw. I mean, I guess I could, but it's just too risky, I think. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So that was like a little bit of a, a sidetrack. So, so those things helped you immensely sure. though. That's huge. And especially yeah. for the people with fatigue, you know, like get those, those organ meats and Dr. Walls goes into it quite a bit in her book. So, um, mm -hmm. definitely recommend reading the walls, the walls protocol. So what else helped? Um, magnesium L3 and 8. I actually, I was taking a different kind of magnesium and it was like some stupid one I got at Whole Foods. I didn't really think. I was like, whatever, this is magnesium. And, um, someone in the community mentioned L3 and 8 was really good for the brain. And actually when I went through what I was taking with my doctor, he totally agreed because he actually takes that himself every day. So that was really cool. Um, the Dead Sea Magnesium Spray, you can find it on Amazon. It's like 20 bucks, I think. And it's Amazon Day. Well, I guess it won't be when this podcast airs. But um, that was really helpful for tendon pains. They, they ended up being a lot worse at night. And I would spray it on at night and just kind of go to sleep. And it tends to get really itchy after a few minutes. But I was so tired and fatigued all the time that, I mean it didn't matter for me. I just dropped into my bed and fell asleep. Um, infrared sauna. That was so helpful for my anxiety specifically. And I wasn't sure if it helped, um, detox though, because some people are saying that they're keeping to it that Cipro goes out of your, it has a half-life of four hours and then it's out of your body. But considering I had a reaction a month later, like, I don't know if that was just because it actually has a longer half-life than we think. Someone said it might, like, might be up to six months. Um, and I don't remember where I read that. And I really wish I had that source. And it could have been one of my doctors, actually. But um, yeah, so I don't really know about that. But I felt like it was it's good for you anyway. It, it's good for detoxing. It's good for calming you down and just taking 30 minutes. It's usually not even that expensive. I think the most expensive session I found was $20 for 30 minutes. And I did that about once a week. I would have done it more if I had the money, but I didn't. Um, what else? Yeah. Smoothies I mentioned. I tended to do a lot of dark greens. I followed a lot of the walls protocol, like whatever she suggested and kind of threw that into a smoothie. Um, bone broth I mentioned, alpha lipoic acid. I just felt better. I don't really know if it helped that much, but I felt better. I ate a lot of goji berries and they're really, they have like some of the highest antioxidants that you can find in nature. But the thing is it's super high in vitamin A. So you have to be careful. You might overdose on vitamin A. So I was like really careful with that. Um, box rescue remedy was super helpful. I, I did a lot of things for anxiety and getting box rescue remedy was like, it was a life changer. It's just, um, a tincture of a bunch of different flowers and you put it under your tongue. Um, and it just calms you down within, 
I feel like it's within minutes. It's insane. So I guess I'm not familiar with that. Is it like a homeopathic thing or? Yeah, it's, um, it comes, you can get these little, I have some with me actually. You can get these little pastilles, they call them, which is like a, it's kind of like a little candy that you can eat or you can get it in like a drop form. Um, it comes, it's like a yellow package. It's, um, spelled B A C H. And, uh, one of my roommates who in LA who used to have panic attacks actually recommended it to me. Um, and I did more than recommend it. I think I did like five drops because it was bad, but it's, it's just, it's awesome. It's super awesome. It's really popular in LA. Cool. Um, okay. Another thing, lavender essential oil also helped with anxiety. I just like smelled it every now and then kept some in my purse. Um, I read a lot. I read a lot of books and it just kind of put me in a better mindset than I was before. So I I took the time that I was just bedridden and couldn't really work or do anything to read the entire Harry Potter series. And I hadn't read it before. So everyone was like, how have you not read Harry Potter? And I was like, well, this is the perfect time to do it. And it was so helpful because it was like all about conquering like bad guys. And I remember specifically this one time when Hermione is with Madame Pomfrey, I think it was, whoever the nurse is at the school. And she had accidentally turned herself into a cat. And it took, like, months for her to get better. So I really, really, like, vibed with that. <laughs> oh. That's so wonderful. Like, I yeah. love that Harry Potter helped you through it. Yeah, like, it's that's... so stupid, but... <laughs> no, like, it's not. Like, it's really, it's really wonderful. Like, like I, I was expecting you to say some sort of, like, you know, nutrition book or, like, even yeah. self-help. <laughs> but you're like, Harry Potter, like, which I think is rad. Like, because fiction is healing. It Mm -hmm. is. Like, it builds empathy, and it takes you to a different world, and it makes makes magic seem real, and all those wonderful things. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. It's perfect. Like, I also wish I had that nurse, you know? The nurse from Harry Potter. She could just, like, cure anything. Like, she cured Harry's broken arm in, like, a day. And I was like, man, (laughs) I wish that could happen to me, but... Yeah, so that was really cool. And another book that really helped me was um, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. I read that in college for a Buddhism class, and I kind of practiced Buddhism, but I'd been kind of veering away from it, and this brought me back. Um, Because it's not really a religion, it's more like a way of life, and it brings you to to be present in everyday life. And um, the book is really... I don't really know. You have to read it because I don't really know how to describe it, except that it just makes you really comfortable with the idea of dying. And that sounds kind of morbid, but it makes it not morbid. It's kind of uh, like peaceful in a way. And I, I was, I felt like I was really close to dying. My parents thought I was dying, but they didn't tell me until after I got better. And, um, I was like, wow, okay, well, I'm ready. If it happens, it happens. This is a bad way to die, but whatever. And that was before I found, I started eating the organ meats because yeah, pre-organ meat times were rough. Um, the other thing, okay. Getting out in the sunlight. I know a lot of people have, uh, what's it called? Is it called phototoxicity or or, or photosensitivity? Yeah. Either one. Sensitivity. Um, so I didn't have that and I've always had 
a pretty like, like not very sensitive skin. Like I never get burnt when going out in the sun, but if, even if people do, I just feel like, I mean, take an umbrella with you because going out in the sunlight and just trying to walk as much as you can just kind of gives you a sense of accomplishment, a sense that you're like alive because I couldn't just sit in bed the whole time. It was, it was driving me crazy. So I was like, okay, today I would give myself a task and kind of work my way up. So I was like, today I'm just going to go outside. Even if it's for five minutes, I'm going to go outside. And eventually I would just sit outside in, I think we had a hammock and I would just read in the hammock for hours because it was all I could do. And I, it made me forget everything because once I stopped reading, I was like, oh, my whole body hurts. Great. Oh, my legs are numb again. And it was just, yeah, it was a nice escape. Um, yeah. So walk. I mean, I, my biggest accomplishment during that time was doing the dishes. I, I did the dishes and then I was like, whoa, I did something today. Cool. <laughs> Just I, felt- I, I remember those times too. Like I remember like going shopping and being like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. You know, like, like just something like, like as simple as shopping, you know, that people who aren't sick just take for granted or, or just kind of do without thinking about it. I was like, okay, I can still shop and that means I can still walk. That means I can still move and I'm going to be okay. <laughs> I remember those thoughts going through my head. Yeah. And another thing that really helped too is a uh, friends of mine came to visit and that's when I knew I had, I had some really good friends. And I had one friend, he lives an hour away from my house. And we used to always kind of meet in the middle and go hiking or whatever. And we were, we were hiking buddies, but we're also buddies in life, you know. And um, he drove all the way over to visit me, then drove 30 minutes to a mountain that we usually climb together. And I couldn't climb it, and my legs were numb, so he drove me to the top, and we just walked around at the top. And, um, we just talked about stuff and we, for the most part, just sat down in this field at the top. And you know, it's funny. We talked about Harry Potter. So if everyone, anyone knows about, I think it's called Ival Morney or however you pronounce it. It's like on her website and it's this little short story and kind of short world she wrote about, um, about like a Harry Potter wizarding world, but in Massachusetts, that so she says that it's on Mount Greylock. Mount Greylock actually exists, and that's the mountain I'm talking about. So I was laying in the field, and now there it used to be kind of vacant, and just people like local people would go up there and take pictures and hang out or hike it. So now there's a bunch of kids, little kids in capes and wands running around. <laughs> so that, that was kind of interesting, um, but that was so beautiful. And he just and then he just drove me home and then drove back, and I, I thought that was really awesome that I just like had such amazing friends who would do something like that for me. And it it made the biggest, it was like the biggest thing that anyone could do for me was that. So that was cool. Um, yeah. Having people there for you is so important. Okay. Adult connect the dots was also really helpful. Like people do adult coloring books, but if you find adult connect the dots, I just think it's so much better. And that also helped me to not think about anything. That's, that's great. That's awesome. You know, like, 
some of these little things, like I always, I always focus so much on like the supplements and I think so many people focus so much on the supplements, like just because it's, um, it's part, it's just part of our society that like we want a pill broke us. We want a pill to fix us. And it's just that that's just kind of the way we think about things. But, you know, going back on things like doing Sudoku puzzles really helped my brain. You know, like I would do a Sudoku puzzle every single day for like, I don't know, nine months, a year, something like that, just to like prove to myself that I could still do it. And it helped with my confidence. It helped me to realize that like, oh, yeah, I am still smart, at least like smart enough to do like the beginner level Sudoku. I don't know if I could have ever done like the advanced ones but you know, you know what I mean like it doesn't matter it's yeah. not about the Sudoku puzzles it's about getting your confidence back and doing like those little things that help you or distract you or that just make you feel better in the moment yeah and I think I did this like brain training game too when I was sick I stopped playing it I haven't played it in a while but I remember like it just having that little sense of accomplishment and knowing I was doing something good for my brain when my brain was super sick that felt really good. Yeah, for sure. So all of these things helped you. And where are you now? How are you feeling now? What so, was your um, kind of progression of healing? So I was sick for, I was really sick for about four months. And that's when I, I couldn't really walk. My tendon damage was really bad. And then, and that was starting at the end of July. Um, and I can't do math right now, so I don't really remember when I, I felt like that was the moment where like I was normal again, or at least mostly normal because I, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, um, I still, I still have some tendon pains every now and then, and it's been a year since it first started. Um, but shortly after I felt like I thought hundred percent better, I needed a job because I had been working, my friend actually got me a job, because I still had student loans, like I was only a year out of college at that point, so I still had a lot of student loans, and um, I wasn't going to be able to pay them if I was going to be sitting in bed all day, so a friend of mine got me a job doing like video journalism kind of stuff, so I would write video scripts and edit videos together just from my computer, like sitting in bed, so that was awesome, but um it was kind of driving me crazy because I was just sitting in my room all the time. And I used to work at ski resort when I was in high school and my friend who still worked there hit me up and he was like, do you want to work here again? And, um, offered me a position of like kind of a supervisor, but I would still like teach skiing during the week. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. That sounds kind of scary. And, he was like, well, you can try it out and just see how you feel. And if you need to go home, then I understand and it's fine. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll try it out. And I think I got on skis for the first time. I think it was December, but it could have been late November. I don't really remember. It was so awesome. He was like, just come over and try it and see how you feel. And he kind of gave me that confidence because he was like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, And I was like, well, yeah, I could rip a tendon, but um, I tried and it was fine. I, I felt like an, I really felt like a normal person after that. And I was really tired after the first run. So I really still had to build up my health and everything. But by the end of the season, after the season ended, I hiked up to the top of the ski mountain with my friend and we skied down after the mountain had closed. So that's a pretty awesome accomplishment. And I've been hiking a lot since then. 
So I think I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. But the one thing that is, um, super annoying is that I, I've noticed that I have a lot of symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder from this. And I feel I have like angry spurts and stuff now. And anytime anyone mentions like pharmaceuticals, I kind of like freak out, even if it's just internally. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have to like walk away. So I'm thinking of seeing a therapist for that just because I want to just move on with my life. You know, I'm, I'm over this and I'm, I got the word out and I want to help other people definitely. But with my own stuff, I just want to get over that hump and not have to think about it anymore. And I don't want to be afraid of hospitals anymore. I mean, even though they contain super bugs, but <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. It takes some time. Give yeah. yourself time. You know, like it is a traumatic thing to go through. You know, we trust our doctors to heal us and it really is paradigm shifting and just horrible when they hurt us and they don't mean to hurt us. I'm sure like at least for the most part, but, um, yeah, getting sickened by a pharmaceutical, it, it's pretty reasonable to not trust the pharmaceutical industry anymore. Um, but but I, I really understand the trauma associated with it, too. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm still dealing with some of the anger and just mm-hmm. letting go of it and not, not being triggered by, you know, um, finding out that a friend's kid has to take antibiotics. Like, even if it's not a fluoroquinolone. I'm like, Oh God, you're giving your kid antibiotics. Like that's horrible. You know? Um, even though like, I know it's not, it's not, it's antibiotics. Like they're, they're probably going to be okay. It's probably appropriate. You know, all of these, all of these things, it's still really, it's still really hard. Um, and that's, you know, five and a half years later, but it's gotten better and better. It's Mm -hmm. faded more and more like just as time has passed. And I think, um, you know, the fact that you've done blogs, that you are speaking out about it, that you have helped people through it, you know, those are all things that really help people to get through the stress and the trauma. I mean, you've already done those things. So I think like you're, you're going to get there. Give yourself some time. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've learned that definitely that healing takes time no matter what it is. Yeah. And you, you don't get like a, an immediate, kind of satisfaction from anything yeah I've learned to kind of appreciate time I guess right right we can't have Harry Potter's nurse no or the Hogwarts nurse I'm not sure (laughs) yeah it it takes some time um to transform back into a human after you accidentally transport or get turned into a cat (laughs) (laughs) I literally I go back to that like all the time. (laughs) That's really, it's really wonderful. (laughs) So do you have some advice that you'd like to share with the people who are listening? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, if you haven't taken a fluoroquinolone, please don't. And if you have, um, lots of magnesium and just get ready, just strap in for the ride, but you're most likely going to be okay. I think most of the people I've talked to have recovered mostly, if not completely. Um, I think there's a lot of hope and I think a lot of people just like see what can happen to them, know that it might take them a year or two to get better or three. You were like three, right? Um, I was largely better a year and a half out. I wrote my story at a year and a half. Yeah. 
Yeah, but like, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with us. I think we're just people and that this drug is not appropriate for humans. I just think it's, I mean, maybe in a very emergency situation, you have sepsis in your brain or something, but like that drug doesn't even work for me at all. It doesn't kill anything. So I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's, it's scary. It's a scary drug that shouldn't be on the market, but if you are dealing with these things, just kind of take it day by day. Um, and then understand that it's going to take a long time, but that's okay. And you're going to learn a lot. You're going to grow a lot as a person. I feel like I'm a completely different person now than I was before. And I know I'm still kind of the same person, but I've just, I feel like I've matured like five years or something. Right. Yeah. Right. And you gotta, you know, now that those gifts have happened, I guess you could recognize them as gifts, but at the same time, like be better if if people learned those lessons and got those gifts in a in another way. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> you know, don't don't take Cipro for the life lessons because they won't be fun. <laughs> I wouldn't give it to my worst enemy. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been amazing talking to you, Michelle. Thank you so much for giving all of your insight and your time and um you know, thank you for thank you for giving the hope to the people who are listening. It's it's really appreciated. I know that people will learn a lot from listening to this and um, from reading your your website. I'm going to link to it on uh, on Foxy Hope as well. And um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. It, it's, it always, was. it's always been one of like my little dreams to be on a podcast. So here I am. Now now you're on a podcast. So. Goodbye, everyone. I'm signing (laughs) off now. Thanks.